This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 119, sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe, the Netflix, and FooComics.com. You can blame me for everything, and you can't love me if you believe that I can't take it. Well, I'm taking it. I'm so strong, I can show you when I'm standing here, but I won't move even if you push me. Well, I won't let you be me. 
wrapped around your neck like a python, it's ifanboy.com's Pick of the Week podcast, <laughs> episode 119, choking the very lifeblood and air from your soul. I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Ron. <laughs> I'm Connor. And we are ifanboy.com. Uh, we are doing this because we like comic books, and we read a lot of them, and then uh, every week we read a bunch of us. One of us is uh, has got the job of picking the best one and writing the pick of the week, and we come here uh, on the podcast, and we talk about that book and other notable books from the week and anything else that we can uh, bring up. So uh, before we get to the show, we want to give you the quick reminder and warning that uh, we are going to talk about the books of this past week, and so if you haven't read your books yet, then we don't want to ruin anything for you, so uh, read them, then come back and listen, then it'll, it'll work out a lot better for you that way. With no further ado, Ron, you had the pick. Thank you. So yeah, so I, I, this week I thought was interesting for me at least. I've had about 12 books to choose from of varying different types, uh, varying different publishers. I don't think one publisher dominated. I had a little from DC, a little from Marvel, a little from Image, a little from Dark Horse. And what was interesting was that as I was, I was you know, narrowing, that, narrowing the books down, narrowing them down, narrowing them down. And I really ended up looking at kind of two books, and I kind of had a realization, and I mentioned this in my review on iFanboy.com, that like – it's one thing, and you guys tell me if you if you agree with me in this in this thought that I had about it. But it's one thing to you know to choose a pick of the week because it's a book that you're really excited about and you feel as if delivers, and, and then the other side is to pick a book that truly is a good good book. Do, do you guys kind of know where I'm coming from with that, or does I that make any sense? It makes sense with you, when you point it out as it's something that you do. Is I realize that you do get an enjoyment yeah. out of books that I really don't in the same way. When you get that, I'm excited about this book. I don't really right. do that, but I know that you do. It's perfectly valid, obviously. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. So yes. I think I, I think I'm in the I'm in the middle. I mean, there's certainly an excitement level to the book can push it up a yeah. notch or two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and whereas if you weren't that excited about it, it would just be it would be a little little bit lower on your list. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and so sometimes I think the the excitement, at least personally for me, kind of clouds the judgment. Um, I'm sure if you go back in the archives, you'd see books that I was really excited for and and pick them, and then as the series ended, you're like, oh, well, that, that didn't turn out to be the new Watchmen. But uh, <laughs> I, I think you're correct. <laughs> so in this case, I went with the one that I, even though it is a second issue, uh, Teen Titans Year One issue number two, um, Teen Titans Year One issue number one. If you'll remember. Connor enjoyed, and as well as I was very, very excited for it. Mainly, yep. mainly because of the uh, the fantastic the fantastic artwork of Carl Carl Kershaw, who I wish, wish, wish would be on the Flash. Uh, he does draw so the Flash better than anybody else in this book. Uh, currently, right now, yeah, he he owns the Flash. Well, I mean, if you look in this issue, uh, yeah. the Flash is in this issue, and he really, really does a good Flash. Yeah, it's amazing. So the first issue came out, and I was really, really excited for it, and and it got a lot of criticism because it was another one of those year, you know, like Robin was IMing with Kid Flash, and so it was one of those year ones, but set in the modern stage or whatever and I you know surprisingly enough that didn't really bother me and as we get into issue two we're still seeing the story develop the story is Amy Wolfram is writing a ridiculously simple story yeah. all of the sidekicks are dealing with the fact that they're you know superhero you know mentors mentors for some reason are going crazy and going bad and you know and doing doing bad things you know, first issue we saw Batman be really you know be really mean and hit Robin um, then this issue we see Aquaman, you know, uh, pirating a sub and taking all the missiles. And, he doesn't uh, do that, or is that just okay. Namor? That's Namor. Oh. Um, and then, in, but also, but also being an ass, yeah, to, being to a jerk to, to Aqualad, yeah. And then in, and then we see, you know, Barry, you know, kind of trying to ignore, and then ultimately snapping at Kid Flash. And then we see uh, Green Arrow stealing an armored truck full of money, yeah. <laughs> and so Speedy, you know, Speedy's kind of like, "What the hell's going on?" And so you know, we we realize that that this is the thrust of the story: that the adult superhero, something's wrong with them, so it's going to take the kids to figure it out. 
Totally simple. Totally simple. And you um, know what else? It's a great allegory to teenager. Yeah. Dumb. Totally. And that's you feel like you know your your the adults are always weird and you're you're the only ones that are normal and this is it's taken to the extreme but that's basically it's basically the teenagers totally as superhero totally and so uh, so what happens is is that uh, you know normally I guess something as simple as this I might dismiss but there's something there's something going on here and I think that Amy Wolfram and Carl Kershaw are working together in a way that I don't I didn't expect. You specifically with the cover focuses on Aqualad, which, by the way, I got to say, the cover, while looks looking good, kind of. I had to, I had to cover it up on the train ride home. Actually, <laughs> I had a bunch of those books this week. The short pants on Aqualad are just a little too much for me. I think. I mean, I know they're historically accurate, but um, it's it's uncomfortable. It's, it's not so much the short pants as the look of. Um, Something horrible has just happened to this young boy. As if, as if he's got to say no, go and tell someone he trusts. Something yes. violating, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it's, but specifically, the Aqualad scenes are the ones that made me realize it. Is that Amy Wolfram is is exploring these characters in a way that I that not that probably hasn't ever been done, but but is completely accessible. And then the combination of Kershaw's art. In terms of facial expressions and even like a lot of the actions in the way the book goes, like there's not a lot of wo- not a lot of words in this book, if you yep. notice. But like it's ex- it's uh, immensely expressive. And he, do- he does great little touches. Like one yeah. in one scene, Aqualad gets out of the water to join uh, Robin and Kid Flash, and he like in, it's not in the dialogue, but he's wringing water out of his ears with his finger. Like that's yeah. little little touches like that that Herschel does extremely well. Yeah, so so what I'm really impressed by this is that the the teaming of you know art and words and and art and story to tell what could be a seminal Teen Titans story and and I and I also talked about it in my review like I don't know why I like the Teen Titans you know like I typically my my enjoyment of DC has been mainly you know Flash and Green Lantern I don't really care for Batman Wonder Woman or, or Superman but there's something about the sidekicks that really engages me there's something about like the accessibility of them I think that that you can relate to them. Did you um, like Young Justice? I love Young Justice. Yeah, I collect well, Young go. Justice. Yeah, you yeah, like totally. teenage stuff, though. Yeah, I do. I guess. I mean, but there's also there's something special about this first team. Yeah. The, yes, the there is. The personalities involved, the characters, the way they play off each other. I mean, there's something to be said for originals. I'm always into the original lineups of bands and teams and you know things, original casts and TV shows, things like that. But you're telling me you take Dick... Phil Collins over Peter Gabriel? Yes, something about Dick Grayson and and Wally West and and Roy Harper and and Donna Troy all you know all together. That that's yeah. great. So yeah, and it's I mean like remember I bought those little mini DC figures of the Teen Titans like the little yep. like I like like I don't even know why I bought them I'm like oh I like these guys so um, and Garth I can't I can't forget Garth but, yeah um, <laughs> um, I, I still I'm still not totally on board with the Garth makeover um, oh I don't mind it but but what I thought was really interesting was that in, as part of the Garth makeover was that you know that you know not part of the makeover but part of their story is that you know the like kid flash is texting speedy on his on his voice on his on his cell phone but then they they reference and there's an editor's note referring to an old brave and the bold issue well that's their first appearance like this is yeah well, what's great about this being year one is it's not their first appearance it's not the first time yep. of the titans it's it's year one they've already met and had an adventure before so this isn't like they're all meeting it's not a origin story they've already had their origin so that's what's good they don't you're not mired in that hey who are you? I'm Robin. I'm Kid. It's, they've already know each other. They all they all are friends already, but they're not really a team yet. And I think this is where we're get, yeah. we're going. And that story this. already exists. You know, this yeah, is not exactly. Necessarily yeah. a need to do it again. 
Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. All in all, I'm loving this book, and it's a six-issue miniseries. It, you know, two issues out. Issue one, you could probably still find if you want to read it in issues. But again, like after the Green Arrow year one, this year one, you know, kind of brand of books. Is, the modernization of the DC yeah. Universe. It's it's really I'm enjoying it and it's being really well executed and and it just it kind of you know kind of blew me away. It's, it's a good point to mention that uh, that year one doesn't mean origin. And now that I think about it, yep. you know when when Frank Miller I think Frank Miller started this with Batman year one. It wasn't it's not an origin of Batman. Yeah. It's you know that story is over and done with. It's really an exploration of the the building of the character or the team or the things over that first chunk of experience, which is actually a really interesting thing that gets overlooked, which is why I think these work if they're done well. Yeah. The only thing negative I'd have to say about this book is, like Green Arrow, the issues feel light story-wise, so I think to all read all at once, they'll be fantastic, and Green Arrow year one was... I read them in a bigger chunk later on, and it was, you know, we read much better that way, so I think this is going to be the same. Oh, I'm enjoying this uh, on the issue basis, though, too. No, it's, yeah, it's fun, right. but I, it is it's slightly light in that there's a lot of dialogue. It's I'm having deja vu here. Wait a minute. We've had this conversation <laughs> before. <laughs> but you can't deny the art. It's, it's ridiculously good. Yeah, uh, I mean, Carl Crossroads, oh, that's amazing. So. And she's got a really, and Amy Wolfram's got a really good handle on his character, so yeah, I, this, is a, this is a fantastic book. Yeah, totally. So, so I was worried in the, in the very beginning because the first issue was all about Robin, and this yeah. the beginning's all about Aqualad. I thought, oh my god! By the time we get to Wonder Girl, the series is going to be over. Yeah, no, no. But, but, they, but they, they, they jump. They, they, they pull. I didn't expect Speedy, and yeah, that's the one thing is that the cover was a little uh, distracting as far as who, who, what the story was going to be about. Um, and the first half of the book was about Aqualad, and I thought it was well done. But then as soon as they introduced Speedy, I was like, and that was a great scene. I mean, the the, the energy yes. in that scene was just amazing, you know. So yeah. I mean, you got you got Green Arrow riding on top of the armored car, and Speedy chasing him after on top of a taxi, and like arrows flying, and then Flash gets involved, and it just it's Kid Flash gets involved, and it's it's awesome. How so. many issues is it? Six. Six. All right. Which is a pretty it's a, you know, that's a that's a fair chunk, you know. Six issues. That's not that not too much of an investment at two ninety nine a pop, you know. Ah. So. Uh... Let's move along. Okay, so the, so the but so the book that came very close to being the pick of the week that I was so excited about that I ultimately decided against was Clandestine, written and drawn by Alan Davis and uh, inked by Mark Farmer as usual. And this is out from Marvel. And it's funny, you know, it's a kind of interesting timing because uh, we'll talk about it a little later on. But this Saturday uh, episode of iFanboy, the video show, is all about Alan Davis. Um, so it's kind of you know. Uh, lucky timing in that way, truly. Did you did you read the original clandestine books? Well, that's there, was the mini, there was a mini series, and there was another mini with X Men. Yeah, I read the X Men one. I didn't read the original mini because mm-hmm. I was still I was angry because I wanted him on Excalibur. Um, <laughs> I, I was young and, and naive. Um, so you were punishing Marvel. Yeah, I was punishing Alan Davis. Yeah, I wrote him an angry letter too. But <laughs> just did you really? Oh God, that would have no, been no. awesome. I would love <laughs> it if you had that and could read it. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> so, and, and ultimately, the thing about Clandestine that, that, that ultimately led me to not pick it w- had nothing to do with the art. This is possibly some of the best Alan Davis art I've seen in, in years. He drew, he drew the hell out of this issue. Uh, yes, he did. The, and you could tell that this is, a, this is a love of his because they're the characters of his creation. But what, what basically led me to not pick it was just the fact that it's the first issue, and who knows if it's going to suck or be any good. It's also slightly confusing. Yeah, it's a little slightly You know, on the first page, you've got a family tree of... of Can- you know the, the clan, uh, um, and Can you give you me see... the, the pitch. What's what is well, the book? Well, I'm not even really sure. I don't know. I don't really know. Um, oh, there's there's a immortal. There's this seems to be an immortal family of uh, superheroes in England. This takes place in um, where where is this Ravenshard or Shire? Or oh, yes, Ravenshard. Yeah, and it's Ra- funny because Ravenscroft, the, Ravenscroft, of course. Yes, in the very beginning, the very beginning, I didn't know it was in England. So the beginning, I'm like, why aren't these heroes registered? Then I, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> well, that, well, that, well, yeah, well, okay, sorry, carry on, carry on. I'll tell you. No, but it's, 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 uh, there's a big family tree. It's a family of se- seemingly immortal superheroes in England. There's a bunch of brothers and sisters. There's a, uh, yeah, the, 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 it, I have to say that the, the way everyone was related to each other was slightly confusing. I, I don't understand how they're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, I mean, essentially you've got Adam Destin, who is apparently is this immortal guy who's appeared all throughout time, and he's got, you know, kind of flowing Brian Braddock-esque blonde hair. Um, yeah, and apparently he that. apparently he sired all, a lot of the these other these other characters who now make their family and you know there's one you know there's there's some kids you know um crimson crusader and imp who are two kind of teen type heroes who need to be close to each other for their powers to work and there's a there's a um hulk sasquatch like character named wallop you know and and so there's a whole bunch of different uh, different characters and they all kind of live together on this on this this these grounds and you get the feeling that they're you know they're slightly undercover but they're also someone in the public eye. Um, well, they're clandestine, yeah. but they're also the clandestine. Right. Yes. Plan words. Um, so I don't know. He also, yeah. apparently, he also apparently sired Woody Allen according to the family tree. Yeah, I know. I in, in, the, in the UK, it's called siring. Uh, it's called knocking <laughs> up in other parts of the world, but that's fine. Um, the art is, is absolutely beautiful. He yeah. he he. Uh, Ron is correct. He drew the hell out of it. Spider Man makes a and Nightcrawler make appearances. Um, well, yeah, so that, that's, that's the thing. The book starts off with the, with the Crimson Crusader, who's a teenager boy, basically dreaming about working with Spider-Man. And yeah. in the first two pages, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was literally like, oh, no. I was like, oh, no, no. You know, like, because it was just like the hokiest dialogue, you know, yeah. and like, it was just like, I was like, oh, no. And then, <laughs> and, then I, and then I quickly realized by the time we got to the fourth page that it was him daydreaming, and that's why it was written so hokily. But then, you know, and part of part of the question of Clandestine is whether or not it, it is in the Marvel Universe or not. And they did have the crossover with the X-Men, and then what happens is, is that in, towards towards the end of this um, towards the end of this issue a uh, character tries to look into Adam Destin's mind you see all these shards of what's past and what's to come and you see Captain Britain you see the Inhumans you see um, Nightcrawler and Phoenix from and Lockheed from Excalib- the Excalibur days you see the Silver Surfer so I think I think what this is doing is this is bridging this creation into the Marvel Universe and I'm gonna I mean it's it, the art is enough to buy it for me but I'll see where the story goes you know so I'm definitely gonna see where 2 takes us if it, yeah. if it makes more sense the art is great except for the anachronistic hair that he can't seem to not draw on everybody yeah <laughs> um, everybody has hair from the 80s. Yeah, that, that, that's 70s. a yeah, that's a problem with him. But I look uh, past it. <laughs> but I don't mind it because the art is so good. Otherwise, but it just makes me laugh when everyone's got that big old hair. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what happened, but it looked good, and I'm I'm not totally out of it yet. All right, so uh, you know what I was thinking when I was thinking about the Justice Society of America. I was thinking, God, you know what this character needs? Or damn it, I blew the joke. You know, <laughs> you know what this book needs? What? Five new characters. characters. Six? <laughs> no. One, two, One, six. three, four, five, six. Well, if you count Johnny Thunder. No, know. no, no. The six. Yeah, the no, because that's the uh, Black Lightning's daughter. Right, yeah. yeah. That, Who's the sixth the... one? Who's the sixth one, then? There's six people on the cover. One, well, no, two, but, three, but the six. kid, with the kid jo- Johnny Thunder or Jamal, he was he was in the JSA previously. He left. He's back Yeah, now. but he's not a new character. He hasn't been in no, the book so far. He's right, a new true. member. Yes, fair enough, fair enough. And then you got okay. the guy with the covenant gun. I'm with you. Um, I like I like how the how the cov- on the cover you got Jay Garrick and and I guess who is that? Superman. Super- is it, oh, it is Superman. And he's just like shit. Look how oh, this is too many people. Like they're stunned <laughs> that that he's going on with this. 
Now, so the juggling continues, and they're thrown in chainsaws, and now he's juggling donkeys and, and lit, lit flaming things, and he's still juggling them all. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it still totally works. I don't mind. I, I laughed when I saw that there were six new people joining the team, and then there's probably about 45 members of the Justice Society now. Yeah. But it isn't, I don't seem to care. 1, 2, I know. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 <laughs> characters on the two-page spread on pages 2 and 3 explaining and, and who and they are. I <laughs> think I am ready, count. though, for a story. Although it looks like it's about to start. And I was in the, What was interesting about this, aside from the new characters, the fact that Gog is now part of the... Yeah, well, uh, he, that, that, I think that's the story. Is building. I mean, yeah. that, that happened a couple issue, issues ago, and now Gog is you know, slowly eking in. I mean, you, you see his shadow, and you see the, the, written, yeah. the word Gog written. Well, having uh, just you know, sort of reread Kingdom Come recently, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, ooh, I'm excited for that. That's neat. Um, I, is, there are so many reasons why this book shouldn't work. Yeah, yeah there is. Exactly. Do you feel like everybody does. is getting is has he has Eagleshim slowly put everybody on steroids? Yeah, I could see that. Have you noticed that they're getting bulkier and bulkier? Yeah. Look at Black um, but, Lightning. But but yeah. that's but that's okay because um, Starman is just amazing. He is great. This is fantastic. The fact that he he's pulling the mask up now and you see the beard and the mustache. And yeah. The, it's like when in the beginning when when Johnny Thunder and Jamal come back and and he just, and and what I love is that he comes in and nobody really cares that he's there and he's like who are all these new people like even he's like what's going yeah. on. Starman. I think that they are I'm doing Starman the... a little like he's drunk though. <laughs> I mean that's what he is in this. He's like. Phew! Which made me laugh. <laughs> well, the opening scene was great with Wildcat fighting against a girl that can't be hit, um, yep. and then all the all the stuff going on around it. We had, of course, the pictures on the table scene yep. uh, again, which which I kind of like. And then the introduction of the new characters, and I was curious what you guys thought about the final character that was introduced. Not the guy who walked in at the very end, but the guy before that. Uh, that. The uh, the soldier who who yes. Jay Garrick, Alan Scott, and Hawkman go to recruit. The, uh, the descendant of of Franklin Roosevelt. Yes. I, I at first when I read it when I first read it I went oh come on and then I read the pages again and I went oh that's awesome. Um, I'm a little more in the oh come on camp. Now percentage wise it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. You know if you're looking at it what's he's like a he's like a tenth of a percent of the team at this point. You know but it was a little weird. <laughs> uh, he's got like the power of the villains from Halo. I mean that's yeah. That's kind of. I handy. thought. At first, I thought it was kind of hokey, but then I thought, you know what? It totally goes with the spirit of the book in that these are characters from the 40s. They represent the ideals of the 40s, the uh, World War II ideals, idealism of the United States. And what better way to have that than a big, burly, Nebraska corn-fed, blonde yeah. descendant of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. So what they do with him is, is, is another thing. The fact that they've got him dressed up in fatigues is interesting. Um, oh, yeah, the fact that he's a soldier, yeah, so... So we'll see. I mean, I think I think the spirit works. I don't know wh- wh- where it'll go from here. But again, he's one of twenty six plus six characters. So we'll see. It really is a society. It's not so much a team. Yeah. Which is fine, but it takes so long to get anywhere. It is. A, I do feel a little like okay, you you got you got to do a story now or like an adventure with them or something because it's a little bit of like letting we. I feel like we've been watching him hang out for a while now. 
Yeah, I mean the fact that they're sitting around with the boxing ring with Wildcat and and what's her face, you know, what I mean, like it's it's didn't didn't we have... didn't we just have like the pancake breakfast issue and you yeah. Know, like, so the so... thing is, I don't necessarily mind. I'm not finding myself minding that. Yeah, no, I agree. I she does the interaction so well. Like the Justice League book that Keith Giffen wrote was more about them hanging out than it was about the fighting, and yeah. that's that's not necessarily a bad thing because because fighting is they go off and fight, but yeah. but uh, yeah. it's the interaction I find the most interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, it also is getting to the point. Like I was, I'm reading through it. I'm looking at Hawkman. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about Hawkman. Man. Yeah, I'd right. like to spend a little more time with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's people well, who I'm like, well, I want to see. To, to, to that point, though, like, like there to me, and I, I've said it before, but there is not enough Liberty Bell and Our Man in, in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, when the the, the one page they were on, like, yep. just that one panel of their backs looking at the gog carved into the column and how Liberty Bell just kind of has her arm around Our Man, like, just the way they interact. Like, I want more of those two characters. Yeah. So, yeah, so I could see that. And, like, that voicemail we got last week, there's nothing of Alan and Jay. Yeah. 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 And I, I forgot, I was like, oh, Alan and Jay, awesome. Like, and Mr. Yeah. Terrific. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of characters now who I, I want to spend time with and I'm not getting a chance to, which is starting my to only get guess to is, My only guess is that a lot of them are going to die soon. <laughs> well, there's Gog coming. He kills people. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe. So there you go. No. But um, that was, it was really good, I thought. Yeah. yeah, not bad. Cool. So in a completely different direction, did either of you pick up uh, Scud the Disposable Assassin issue number 21 from Image? Now, no. I saw that and I thought, 21, huh? I bet 20 <laughs> came out a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, for the, if, you, if you know or don't know the story, it's a fascinating story. Um, eh, 10, 12 years ago? <laughs> there, issue there, 20 came out? There, there was a... There was a, um, a amazing comic called Scud the Disposable Assassin. It was an indie comic. It was very humorous. It was about a dis- a robot assassin. Uh, the idea being that it's, he's disposable. You buy him, he kills the target, then he blows up. But this one uh, was able to avoid killing his target and was able to stay alive and was now able who to did fall, this? Is fall this... in love. It is Rob Schrab. Okay. The cover was by Ashley Wood. And what's interesting is that on the inside cover, Rob Schrab writes a little essay about you know kind of what happened. And he basically says, you know, in 1993, I met a girl, we dated, then she dropped me, broke my heart. So I wrote Scud the Disposable Assassin purposely with a broken heart on his chest, purposely to give her the book. He never gave her the book, but he kept on doing the comic. And then 1998, after issue number 20, um, he got his heart broken again and <laughs> stopped doing the comic. He went to Hollywood, and he's been there ever since. So now Wait a minute, 10 years since issue 20? 10 years since issue 20. Because <laughs> I know, because I've read the I read the Scud trade like forever yeah. ago, and I totally I thought, I thought Josh was kidding. Yeah, no, no I wasn't. Not. No, it's literally ninety eight was the last time. And remember, like in the late nineties, I don't guys remember it, but like Scud was the shit. Like he had a they had a video game in development. Yeah, they like yeah. like a lot of stuff happened. Then it just literally disappeared. Well, it's back. Um, that threw me off because I was like issue twenty one. Yeah, wait a minute, yeah. this hasn't so, been around for a long time. I know totally. So um, he's back on. He's back on board, and Image has got him, and he's got a four-issue kind of arc coming through and coming through now. And and it, it, this, it, I don't. I mean, if you guys didn't get it, I encourage you to pick it up. You don't need to have read issue one through twenty. They explain it on the first page who Scud is and what happened and how he got there. And it is. It's kind of like indie comic. Free kind of art, kind of like Jim Mafood, and I'm not surprisingly, Jim Mafood's going to do a cover of, of this. Um, so it's like that kind of like kind of sketchy kind of fun art. Um, I, I tend to think the, of uh, what's that guy's name who did Earthworm Jim, Iron West. Oh, Doug Tenaple. He does Doug a cover too. 
Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is very along the Doug Tenaple kind of thing. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's amusing. The dialogue is hysterical. I, I pick it up. I mean, if you want something offbeat, and, you know, and I want to say irreverent, but I don't actually know what that word means, then I would say, you know, if you're curious, if you want something black and white, kind of more indie, check out Scud the Disposable, Disposable Assassin. I was so psyched to see it was back. I think so. if I wasn't so confused about what it was until we got it cleared up right now, I think I totally would have been into that. Cool, I'll, I'll pick, pick it up. I'll, that's yeah. good. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. You're welcome. Every week I tend to say, hey, this is my favorite book on the stands. <laughs> Probably because I'm excited about comics. But I'm very close to asserting that Nightwing is now back to be my favorite book. Wow. Nightwing 141 uh, is the second issue that Peter Tomasi wrote with Rags Morales on art. He so gets Dick Grayson that it's scary. And it, this, is, this is probably the best two issues of Nightwing since Chuck Dixon left the book way back when it we makes you college. angry for all the yeah we were in college it makes you angry for all of the other issues that have been wasted between that and now and then it's it's amazing he hits all the right notes he's dick grayson is someone that people seem to find hard to characterize he's confident without being arrogant but he's also one of the most important people in the dc universe he is when you think about it one of the original superheroes he should walk into the room and other heroes should treat him the same manner they treat batman and superman because he's been around the longest He's also the embodiment uh, of that whole legacy thing, really. Yes, he is. To, to, and, to a successful you know, end, basically. And so this issue opens up with Superman coming to, to, ch- to talk a case over with Nightwing. And it totally makes sense because, think about it, of all the people he's been around, Batman and, and Dick Grayson have been around as long as anyone, and so Superman would have a kinship with, with Nightwing. He's a veteran, yeah. So they have, you know, that's, that's something that he gets really well. He gets the interaction with Bruce Wayne really well. There's a couple of fun scenes with them. There's, of course, the women falling all over Dick Grayson. And there's even Wally, and then Wally shows up to get the, team, the original Teen Titans sort of hangout. Thing, because he's really on the same, he's on the same uh, level as, like, Wally. They're of the same yes. generation, yeah. so, but Wally's an A-level character, so Nightwing should be too. He's not yeah, a B-level they character. Get, they get to briefly mention Bart and talk about that, and it really hasn't been talked about anywhere. You know, and, you uh, know what Nightwing needs? They really needs to be able to inherit the mantle that he deserves. They should kill Batman. <laughs> what? But, what? Um, so the story is the Nightwing has moved to New York because Bloodhaven was destroyed uh, in the, in the <laughs> crisis. Good job, Nightwing. I just figured out why they don't consider him the A-list. <laughs> He was. It was destroyed by by the whole. It was. Listen, you don't see um, you don't see Batman letting Gotham go to go to waste. Nightwing's like, I go to Vegas for one weekend, and this is what happens. <laughs> so basically, this last two shows have been one long commercial for the Cloisters, because <laughs> Nightwing has moved his base of operations to the Cloisters Museum. He's he had Bruce Wayne buy it. He's been put as the cur- curator. He's building a new Batcave with the help of the Justice Society. So they're in this too. They're helping him build it. Um, Mr. Terrific and John Stewart's here with regular hair, designing it. Oh, cool. um, this sounds really he's, fun. He, he is basically the touchstone. I mean, he is, if you think about it. He's one of the original superheroes. So there's, they would make sense that all these people would know him and respect him. And so he's, he's setting up a base of operations in New York. He he gets the map out, decides where he needs safe houses. He built, he like marks off all these places. So he's got, every neighborhood he's got a place we can go. So he, he sends a fax to Bruce Wayne says, I need you to buy these buildings. <laughs> and it's just, it's amazing, he, he, it's amazing how the, the little stuff, and the action hasn't started yet, there's some people that are grave robbing this old dead superheroes, and he's going to get involved with that, but that hasn't started yet, that's happening in the background, but the stuff that's happening is the setup stuff, and it's amazing how well Peter Tomasi gets that. But I think, Josh, you would really like this, there's only two issues in, I think you can definitely find these. Um, I'll not picking up another series, shit, whatever. <laughs> um, I got but, made of time and money, that's fine. Rags Morales art is, is mostly good. There's a couple of odd panels, but for the most part, it's really strong. It's just, an, it's, it, this might be now, this might take over for Robin as the best Batman book wow. Uh, wow. out there. Now, is Rags uh, a nickname or or some other kind? I don't, I don't know. Anyway. 
It's not illuminated in this book, so I couldn't. T- I couldn't tell you. All but. right. Well, if I wanted to pick that up and I was wandering around the streets of New York City, I would probably go to Jimmy Hanley's Universe, which is uh, one of America's best and most progressive comic book stores. They have the best selection of comic book titles and related merchandise you will probably find anywhere, from mainstream to manga to minis. They have it all. If you're in New York City, you should go to the place where art and literature meet. Jimmy Hanley's Universe is located just south of the Empire State Building in Midtown Manhattan uh, on on 33rd between fifth and uh, fifth and sixth. Um, or on Staten Island at 325 New Dorp Lane. If you go by the store, let them know that iFanboy sent you there. Uh, you can visit them uh, at their website, which is jhuniverse.com, or on MySpace, which is myspace.com slash Jim Hanley's Universe, and you could friend them. That would be great. Uh, Jim Hanley's Universe is, in fact, where art and literature meet. So, um, yeah. So other comics came out. <laughs> that that promo just threw you right the hell off. really did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Um, fables, okay. fables, fables. Fabulous. Um, if you have been paying any attention to this show, you know that for the last, uh, well, this is nine-part series, so for the last nine issues of Fables uh, has been the Good Print storyline, which has been awesome. This was the end of the Good Print storyline, the last bit, and I think it was mostly awesome. What it Uh-oh. was was the happily ever after chapter. Basically, there was a big confrontation coming at the end of the last one. There was the culmination, and that was over within about three or four pages of this issue. And so the last of it is is basically the story of how they lived happily ever after. I like it as a whole thing, but pacing issue wise, it was a little weird. But as a whole story, whatever this this is going to be one of those big trades with the nine nine issues coming out of it. It's going to be a really good one. But you know, it was a good, logical, satisfying end. It was it sort of they sort of closed the chapter on on the, on the characters, and uh, it was a very much a, they lived happily ever after issue. So um, you know, just as good as the rest of it, but the pacing was a bit weird in the way it was broken up. Cool, awesome. Um, Uncanny X Men number four ninety five is the first issue post the Messiah Complex, written by Brubaker, drawn by uh, Choi. Uh, first name eludes me. Uh, <laughs> is it Brandon or Jim? Uh, no, there's many Choi's. Mike Choi. Um, a third Choi. And, and yeah, really interesting um, issue in that essentially the X-Men have broken up. So what we've got is we've got a bunch of little storylines going off in little directions. We've got... Um, Cyclops is drawn Scott the Assassin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cyclops and Emma are vacationing in the Savage Land. Wolverine, Nightcrawler, and Colossus are on a road trip in Europe. And uh, Warren Worthington seems to have stumbled upon the angel has stumbled upon something in San Francisco. So yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where they're going to take it. I, I didn't love the art. I got to admit in this issue, but I like the writing. The one, my one one kind of nitpick is that there was a bizarre kind of repeat. The, there's this conversation between Iron Man and Cyclops about the X Men folding and and Iron Man trying to get Cyclops to get them to register, and there were, that was just an awkward conversation. I don't know how or why, but like you know, Iron Man made the same comment twice in a row. Like, they're pushing me to re- officially register all of you. And then, like, next page, they're pushing me to officially register all of you. Like, it almost, like, was, was it a lettering mistake or something, you know, so. But, yeah, I liked it. I liked it, though, and, and I, I like that the fact that I like this kind of divided we stand, kind of like the X-Men are broken because it means that in a few months we'll get them all coming back together. I loved this issue. Yeah? I awesome. loved everything about it. I love the art. The art's very reminiscent of X-Men First Class. I love. Yeah, it, it is, but it. I didn't like it, but okay. I, um, I, I, my biggest problem with the, it wasn't so much the art, it was the coloring. It was the really overcolored, if you ask me. But anyway, with Buffy, uh, Vampire Slayer number eleven, uh, Joss Whedon has written my favorite moment in comics in a while. Which one? There's a there's a bad guy in this issue who faces off against Buffy and sort of beats her to a stalemate and escapes, and then he goes back to his group and he's giving the bad guy speech and he's alluding to the fact that he knows them. And he's slowly pulling off his mask. Yep. And we turn the page and he scratches his neck and puts the mask back down. Yeah, he's like, "Sorry, I, my neck was my, my neck was itchy." <laughs> like. 
you, you know, he, he, in that in that instance, you think he's going to reveal, take the mask off, he's going to be like, you know, somebody we know, Angel of Spike, or some other person I don't know from the later series, and then he just pulls it back down after you see his chin and scratches his neck. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. But Is that Vaughn? Really good. We don't no, know. No, Joss Whedon. Oh, Joss Whedon's writing? Okay. Yeah. Um, great villain, and apparently something big happens in issue 12. So next month, or next issue, make sure you pick that up if you're a Buffy fan. Yeah, I, I like this issue a lot. Cool. Now, I thought we weren't going to talk about every Spider-Man issue. No, we weren't. But I thought it was important to note that it was the um, it, the, it was the first it was the first arc of Guggenheim and Larocca, and it, it kind of shows the new direction. You know, the the Daily Bugle's been bought by a new owner, and he's renaming it the DB. And it had a lot of um, interactions between Spider Man and Jackpot, who we all think is Mary Jane. It, my two thoughts of it were so I thought it was interesting. I read it f- first, and I hated it. I hated Larocca's art. I think Larocca's Larocca went from being an awesome artist. 10 years ago to now I don't know what the hell he's doing because it looks awful that's just me though and um, hope we run into him at a convention <laughs> and I didn't like Guggenheim's take on everything then I read it again the art still didn't do it for me but then I really liked Guggenheim's script I, I, lo- I loved the story yep. I, thought it was, I thought it was a good commentary on, on modern media yeah, and the fact that everything has to be hip and cool. I really, li- I really like the bugle stuff. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you about Larocca. He was a great penciler who decided to go painted style. And and I thought, for the most part, you're right. But I thought his Spider-Man was fantastic. Oh, okay. I think he's, he's a great Spider-Man. Yeah. The actual guy himself. Everybody else kind of is yeah, kind of that. The faces were just that's, miserable. And, yeah, uh, that, that stiff painted style. But I thought Spider-Man himself. The coloring, especially on Spider-Man, was was incredible. Yeah. So, but I liked the issue. The story was good. Cool. Speaking of books, I don't want to read on the train. <laughs> um, this one is Rick Remender really going after that horror exploitation uh, idea we what talked about. What'd you say? What is it? What's the name of the book? Triple X Zombies, uh, Part Three of Four, by Rick Remender and Tony Moore. Tony Moore didn't draw it though. He's the creator, I guess. And then Kieran Dwyer on art. So th- all that happened. <laughs> so this I, well, if you look at if you look at the credits, it's a story by Rick Remender, Tony Moore, and Kieran Dwyer, and I feel like they were all at a bar. <laughs> they all got drunk, and they all went, "Wouldn't it be funny if this happened?" Not, not I never got a comic out of it. Yeah, Boogie Nights of the Living Dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. You had a penis bitten off by a zombie and spit back in the guy's face. You had the most controversial moment of the book, I'm sure, was the they go to a hospital. The characters are escaping the zombies and go to a hospital and find the zombies eating the babies out of a maternity ward. And then the babies um, becoming zombies. I was first shocked and and stunned by that page, and then I thought, you know what? Awesome. Yeah, well, basically, awesome, like, it awesome was... Awesome that they had the balls to do yep, that. Yep, it was like, here's the line. You're either going to cross it or not. In this book, you have to cross the line. Not since train spotting was a dead baby so horrifying. Yeah. I also like the nerds eating the hot girls. Yeah, yeah the cheerleaders. Yeah, that yeah. was funny. <laughs> Um, but then, I thought, was, you know what? If you're going to go for it, go for it. And, and, and good for Rick Remender for having the, the balls to to show yep. them being babies. Yep. I, I You have to. I mean, if you don't, then you're just... Comics have been wussing out for a long time. So here he is just going, you know, let's let's do this. And it's, it's you know, all in good fun, I suppose. Totally. I'm really enjoying this miniseries. I think it's fun. Yeah, are it is. Enjoy- are you enjoying anything else, Connor? Paul Dini is back with The Vengeance on 841 of issue Detective Comics. That should have been a swap. Detective Comics issue eight forty one. This is this is this is basically what we, we had in the beginning. We, we've lost from Dini having to go to Countdown and a one shot mystery with Batman and fighting the Mad Hatter, and it, it had a nice little twist. And the art was a bit off at times, stuffed in Gwyn, but oh, I really like the art. I, I, yeah, I was gonna say I really like the art. I love that he did the, he did what I thought was a beautiful cover 
Beautiful yeah. cover. No, the cover's and then, beautiful. The cover he, does a, he does a great Batman. I think some of the some of these some of the people faces are. Yeah, but then fun. inside a totally different, not totally different style, but it was just you know yeah. a different production style basically. I, I enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was a really um, fun issue. And then uh, on the heels of a couple of weeks ago, I talked about BPRD 1946. There's another uh, Hellboy related miniseries because these come out every week apparently. Uh, Abe Sapien number one, uh, The Drowning. Written by Mike Mignola and drawn by Jason Sean Alexander. Basically, this is the first solo series of any kind that Abe Sapien's ever had. A character who I have—I know a lot of people have come to love. I haven't quite necessarily yet. I've actually liked him a lot more in the animated and the movie incarnations than I have in the book. However, the notable thing for me about this book is that it was drawn by Jason Sean Alexander. You guys will remember him from doing the uh, escapist scenes <laughs> yeah. in yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Fucking gorgeous art. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I'm looking at it right now. This stuff, it's, it's like, it doesn't look like Mike Mignola's stuff, but the mood is there. It's, uh, it's fucking beautiful art. I mean, this guy, this guy draws his face off, and cool. and it's be- just if you're in the store, just pick it up and look through it. It's gorgeous. He's got big, big panels, so it like yeah. they get to breathe. I picked it up. It, it looked really good. Oh, so yeah. it's it's and it's good. I I found it very interesting. It, I mean, there's not a ton of story in it per issue. It's going to be something that's probably going to be better as a trade. But it was it was great. Cool, awesome. It was a good week of books, though. Um, I, I, I like I said, it was it was a very strong week. Yeah. I thought very very good. Yeah, tons. Look. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of other books I could talk about, but no yeah. time. Yeah, no time. Um, but there is time to uh, try to figure out what books you're going to buy every week. And um, if you struggle with that, you could uh, foocomics.com could probably help you out. It's a new website that allows comic book stores um, to give their customers complete control over their subscriptions. Stores can manage their customers and generate subscription reports and, and do all uh, things that help them manage their stores better. So if you go to foocomics.com forward slash iFanboy, you can check it out. It was created by a comic book collector, so he has an idea of what he wants, what he would want out of a site. And so you know it's got that little extra special touch to it. So tell your store to check out foocomics.com slash iFanboy and check it out today. So. Okay, quickly on to the email. Ali writes in says, hey guys, love the show. I took your suggestion about reading Kingdom Come. It was great and got me thinking about DC again. I was wondering if you have a suggestion like Kingdom Come for the Marvel Universe. This is a th- this is a tough one because there is after Kingdom Come came out, Alex Ross did work on Earth X in the Marvel Universe, which was supposed to be similar to Kingdom Come, um, Not kind of like would. you know, kind of like the post, you know, the the the, the end of the Marvel Universe kind of thing. Future, but I didn't really like it, so I would say check out Marvels, which is the about Marvel, the beginnings of the Marvel Universe, and the exact opposite of Kingdom Come, but but painted by Alex Ross and looks beautiful. Kingdom Come, I thought, I mean, not Kingdom Come, Earth X, I thought looked good as the John Paul Leone art. Yeah, yeah. different um, kind of book though yeah and it had fat peter parker and and uh, married married wolverine and jean gray but that, that um, was the best part <laughs> and it was not as well received as well, it was King also Dunn, it like 12 issues long plus there were spin-offs and things like it was just too much yeah. Yeah. that's the nice thing about kingdom come it was the four issues you know yeah. i don't i don't have a good suggestion for that because i mean there's a lot of good marvel books but not necessarily something like that i, I yeah i would say i mean i said marvels i mean it's just it's painted by alex ross written mm-hmm. by kurt Busick, and is awesome so yeah all right, our next email comes from Timmy, who says that uh, I've been digging these showcases and essentials, and I want to know from each of you guys which showcase and essential you've enjo- enjoyed so far. And a bonus question, is there a showcase or essential that you haven't enjoyed as much as you thought you would? I thought that was a really good question, because to answer his bonus question, I've never not enjoyed a showcase or essential. I love the format. I love that it exists. It's, and for those who don't know, showcase is DC, essential is Marvels, and what and Marvel, and what it is is it's black and white, kind of newsprinty kind of printing, low cost, it's very cheap to pick up, and there are these phone books of old stories. 
and for all these great characters and great years of comics that we've had, it's a great way to catch them, to catch them and read up on them, and they're just a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. My favorite probably is the Nova Essential Volume One that came out last year that I, I've read twice already. I love it. I only own one. Yeah. Of either, I own, I own um, the Jonah Hex showcase which Ron got me and Josh for Christmas a couple years ago so that's the only book I own of that format so that would both be my favorite uh, that would answer all the questions Yeah, I, I will <laughs> actually then say exactly what Connor just said <laughs> admittedly I actually don't think I own any showcases but I own a bunch of essentials I own some Fantastic Four essentials I own some X-Men essentials I own some you know, Nova um, I want to get the Howard the Duck one what an excellent yeah. thing to bring up in the thread for the show Yeah, from other people who uh, have an answer <laughs> Andrew from Boston writes and says, I've never really paid attention to advertisements in the comics themselves, but don't, don't tell them that. But for some reason this week, they all really stood out to me, and this week is all about lost references. That was, He's talking about last week's books. I don't mean full-page ads for a different book or some merchandise. I'm talking about Johnny Storm listening to an iPod or something. This week, however, it seemed all of Marvel was gearing up for the Lost Season premiere. On a background computer screen in Captain America 34, a CNN broadcast headline, Dr. Jack Shepard Lost and Found. Ultimate Spider-Man 118 had a drive shaft calendar in Peter's bedroom wall. Ultimate X-Men 90 showed a building with find815.com. It's pre-painted on it. I think this week in particular was weighed down by the Lost ads, which took me out of the Marvel Universe and put me in the Lost Universe. Do you guys ever get upset by the number of references that Lost other companies have put in the comics? I don't. I don't care. I mean, I, I don't thought, think I, thought, I noticed them until people yeah. pointed it out afterwards. I mean, I, I know. I remember I, when I first noticed it. I, I was reading books and I noticed like three books had the Oceanic Airlines thing. And the thing about comics is that sometimes the writers and artists put things that they're into in the comic because we all do that. Like we all put little references and things that we like. Um, but not lost. That was a campaign. But, th- but this was actually because I noticed it so many times. It was, and then I went back and looked at it, that it was actually a campaign. I thought it was pretty. I mean, I'm I work in marketing, so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. So. Um, Whatever know. it takes to have the comics uh, uh, exist. That's what yeah. I was going to say. You know? I mean, within reason. There have been things that they've done in the past which threw me off. Yeah. But uh, this that wasn't one of them. You know what I mean? Like, But it's the same thing. Like, if they can get money in somehow, I'm cool yeah. with that because I want them to keep making comic books. And I thought it was... It, it I remember was a, there was somebody in a drive shaft t-shirt. You know what? That's not a big deal. No, no yeah. That doesn't take you out of the story. And quite honestly, it's it's similar to what Lost does in that, you you know, I remember back when Lost first started and stuff like that and all those flashbacks, you, you're looking for little mentions of things and, and the brand of the pregnancy test and all this kind of stuff. And so, like, if, you, if you're into Lost, it kind of, it's, it's kind of neat. I thought it was a cool execution. It didn't get in the way, I thought, so... I mean, I can see how it would be, but I don't think that this one was done in such a way that was... Like, if if he was like, I'm going to kill this villain just after I have this Nestle Quick, well, that's different, but this is yeah. pretty subtle. <laughs> well, uh, there's a dude with, a, with long hair who calls everybody brother. <laughs> what? <laughs> so if you have any questions uh, that you're curious about uh, and want our opinion, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com, write us, we'd love to hear from you, tell us what you thought of Lost, and yeah, that'll be fun to hear from you. Thank you. And if now you've never heard of the show Lost and you want to think you might want to watch it, you can go to Netflix and they've got 75,000 titles and got Lost in there and you can get those discs with no late fees and free shipping both ways and super fast delivery with plans starting as low as four ninety nine a month. Uh, and if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, you can get a two-week free trial of Netflix. Yay. The voicemail. Our first voicemail is about my favorite character. Hi, this is Kermit from Washington, D.C., and I have a question and a observation. Observation. Have y'all noticed in X-Men, astonishing X-Men, that Cyclops is using his powers without his goggles? And how long would that um, last? And my other, my question is, I just got finished watching the new show Eli Stone, and one of the writers' name is Mark Guggenheim. 
that's the same one who writes for Marvel. That's my question. I right, fanboys for life. Peace. Did I notice? Did I notice? Of course <laughs> I noticed. And I also noticed at the end of the last issue when Beast made a comment and Cyclops goes, yeah, don't get used to it. Which leads me to believe that Cyclops is a scrawl. <laughs> I'm sure it's all going to get wrapped up in the finale of Astonishing uh, yep. X-Men. He's not, not going to stay. Yeah, because obviously in all the other books he still has his visor on. So, anyway. well, isn't his, isn't Emma causing it? Or I don't know what's causing it. Holding it whatever. It's not. It's not permanent. Yeah. It's going to go away after the yeah. book ends. Yeah, but it's pretty badass. Uh, as to your other question about Eli Stone featuring Johnny Lee Miller, sick boy. That is, in fact, the same Mark Guggenheim. He actually got his start writing in TV before he was doing comics. As far as I understand, he wrote for Law & Order for a good long while. Uh, and I see his name all the time on Law & Order reruns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah he, wrote a, he, he did a ton of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely him. He actually, he's, he's sort of, you know, the last few years, uh, Marvel's been, been raiding mid-level TV writer people. Uh, and he's been a good fit. <laughs> yeah, he's been great. He's, we love him. <laughs> Heinberg! <laughs> All right, so our next voicemail is about one of um, our favorite new books. Hey, Ron. Hey, guys. This is Mike. I'm um, out of um, Utah. I'm just, first of all, I wanted to thank you guys for um, recommending Scalp and getting me to pick that up. And if any of you people listening haven't picked it up, go get it now. The first trade is only 10 bucks, so you can't beat that. And second of all, I'm wondering what you guys think about um Jason Aaron, since he'll be taking over Wolverine and and Ghost Rider um, recently, and I don't know. Uh, I'm just wondering if you think he's going to bring anything to those two characters. Well, I'm very glad to hear that you're liking Scalped. As I've said every time it comes up on the show, please, you out there, go buy it. If you're thinking about it, just do it. I know they say it's not on the chopping block. but It I, is. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, <laughs> you know, your job's completely safe, Johnson. Talk to Johnson about moving his desk to the basement. I like, and and the issue that came out this week was a, another fucking beautiful, awesome issue. The trade is only ten bucks. If you don't like and that, they're going to give you your money back. That's what Jason Aaron said. And also, um, volume two of the trade came out this past Wednesday. So, yes. um, so you can go out for ten. You can bucks. almost be caught up, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like now is the time to get it on scalped if you haven't been on it. Yeah, and you de- you should. You will. You will really not be disappointed unless you don't like violence and swearing. Um, and I really am excited for Wolverine. I'll be honest. I think he's you? a guy, I think he's a good fit for Wolverine. Yeah. I think that that's the, the gritty tone and style. And so, will you buy Ghost Rider? No, but no. Dashiell Bad Horse is very Wolverine esque, the lead character in Scalp. So I think that's a good fit. We could be in for a pretty nihilistic Wolverine. <laughs> awesome. I'm down yeah. with that. I, 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 the one issue that he wrote of Wolverine was awesome. So I'm down with it. There's yeah. very little you could do to make me buy a, a, a Ghost Rider book, though. Quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have to be like. But then you're going to miss it. Six issues in, and everybody's raving about it. You're going to miss out. Yeah, that's why they have a trade paperback program. <laughs> Are you going to be buying Wolverine though, Josh? I wasn't going to. Give it a to. shot. Yeah, give it a shot. Come on. What issue? I'll, give it I'll read shot. it. I'll read it. All right. All right. Our, our last voicemail is something Josh can relate to. What is up, I fanboys? This is Rob from Detroit again. Uh, I got a quick question. Uh, maybe more of a question of advice. I got into Green Lantern big time this summer with the Sinestro Corps books, and um, I'm considering getting a Green Lantern ring tattooed on my finger. Uh, good idea? Yeah? No? I, I'm putting a lot of thought into it, and so far it looks like I, I might go ahead and do it. Let me know if I should do this or not, alright? Thanks a lot. I'm not entirely convinced that's uh, real. I say, I say he should do it. Do it, do it, and take a picture and send to us. 
But let's assume it is. So, Josh, you have a Green Lantern tattoo. I do, but it's innocuously placed on my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> here's what I can tell you. A 22-year-old Josh meets Judd Winnick for the first time, and in a bit of what we might call over-enthusiasm goes, Hey, you're riding Green Lantern. See my tattoo? Uh, I felt kind of <laughs> dumb. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> um, so, I actually like my tattoo a lot. I don't regret getting it. I wouldn't put it on my hand. I wouldn't put a, a ring on. Maybe that's too literal, I guess, for me. I mean, if we're talking about real taste, you want actual advice. Um, I, I probably wouldn't do that, and I am speaking from a position of authority. Do it, do it, do it. Take a picture. Do it, do it, do it. Ron That's just wants people to make life mistakes and exactly. then have photos of it. That's totally Josh, what's happening here. Josh knows me far too well. <laughs> Ron will always take a dare, and he will always encourage you to do the wrong thing for his own amusement. No, I'll take a dare that's a good dare. I won't take any dare. I'll, I'll weigh the options, but like I'll, I'll do cons, I want people to start offering you dares. I dare you do this. Ron, I dare you to get Cyclops' visor tattooed to your face. No, I won't do that. That would be Anyway, awesome. so um, if you have any dares for me, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Oh, boy. So we're also going to San Francisco. For, oh. You guys are coming to San Francisco. We're coming. Yes. We're, we're going to WonderCon. WonderCon is at the end of the month, in fact. Why wasn't I told is... about this? <laughs> That's February the oldest joke, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go February 22nd to the 24th, we're going to be at WonderCon, covering it for the video show, um, like we normally do. Um, and But we're also going to be attending some events, having some events of our own. If you're at WonderCon and see us, stop us and say hi. But also, on Saturday, there's going to be a comic book podcasting panel at 1.30, which we're going to be on, in addition to Chris Deesman from Around Comics and Brian Deemer from Comic Geek Speak and... Lini from I Read Comics and some other people too. So come by and say hi and and ask your questions and, and that should be fun. It's always a fun time to get on the panel with those guys. Rick Remender, who um, you may know, is going to be moderating the panel. We'll, t- we'll ask him about um, baby eating. Maybe <laughs> turn a, turn a, turn the tables on him and ask him questions. Yeah, we're going to be at Isotope, the comic book store, Friday and Saturday night. And there's going to be parties there where we're not. The details are not set in stone yet. We'll have them for you when they're ready. But um, you can look for that coming announcements coming up soon. We're going to be all over San Francisco for WonderCon. Yeah, so stay tuned, iFanboy.com to hear about it, and the details as they come out are going to be awesome. Trust us. Yeah, Aww. they they seem like they're going to kick everybody's ass. All of this. Don't come easy. Uh, so if you go to ifanboy.com and you want to buy any of the books and stuff that we talk about or anything else that you find from Amazon, that will indirectly help us out in producing the site and the show and all these stuff that you like. So please frequent there uh, often. Definitely. <laughs> and we already we normally we talk about ifanboy.com, but we already told you a lot about that. You can always go there for great reviews and um, commentary and discussion and that sort of thing. The video show comes out every Saturday uh, at revision3.com slash ifanboy. This last week or yesterday you saw Alan Davis. And uh, next week we're going back into the vault. Back indeed. <laughs> and when I, say, when I say back, we're going back to the vault. <laughs> it's like early Robin. Uh, <laughs> So if you want a t-shirt, you go to uh, jinx.com slash ifanboy, and then if you uh, send in a picture of yourself wearing the shirt to jinx.com, you get free stickers. Make sure you send that along to us, too, because we always like to see that. Uh, it says intern on the back, and ifanboy on the front. Why wouldn't you want that? It's a nice royal blue. Exactly. And um, as we mentioned earlier, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or call us at 1-888-FANBOYS-326-2697. 
Uh, on the internet, at myspace.com, comicspace.com, verb.com, twitter.com, all those are slash ifanboy. We also have a Facebook group. You know what to do if you think you like the show. Tell other people that like it. Go leave a review on iTunes or do anything like that. But if you can help spread the word, we would love you for it. And also, uh, we appreciate your support. And if you can head over to ifanboy.com forward slash donations, um, a lot of people have donated, and we really want to thank everybody. And it's helped us be able to, to deliver the things we do to you. So if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash donations, it helps us out. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> oh wait, con season starting. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I like how con season now is more like con half the year. So it is. It goes till yeah. July. Yeah, now. exactly. It's con right. winter. The summer of con. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, even I got that one. All right. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh! Or Khan, either way. <laughs>